Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh. I am Jimmy, and we are very, very pleased today. We don't have a lot of important people no. on this program. No. Besides they, yours truly. We, we, uh, we happen to snag one today. I don't want to let on that we're really not all that important of a show, because I don't want him to hang up before we can get rolling. But we have Steve Gersovich, and he has served as the founding board president for Key Ministry. He currently serves as the ministry director of Strategic Initiatives. He has extensive research experience evaluating medications prescribed to kids and teens for ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Uh, he has been a presenter in over 35 national and international medical conferences, and is the past recipient of the Exemplary Psychiatrist Award from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. He regularly blogs at Church for Every Child and frequently speaks at national and international ministry conferences on mental health and spiritual development. Steve, welcome to Paradox. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Well, Jimmy and Josh, thanks so much for having me. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for like letting my wife know that I'm important. If she doesn't believe, have her call me because <laughs> I will tell her in person how. Now, we want to talk specifically about your brand new book, and it's entitled Mental Health in the Church, a ministry handbook for including children and adults with ADHD, anxiety, mood disorders, and other common mental health conditions. Now, my question is, when I saw the book, I went, oh, that's cool. It's a ministry handbook for ministering to children, but that's not what it said. It said it's a handbook for including these children and adults that have these mental illnesses. Why did you phrase it including them? Well, you know, I'm interested, like, in knowing what you guys have seen from your clinical experience. But um, probably around 20 or so years ago, um, I was serving on the elder board at our church. And at that time, we had a number of, like, very devout families who had been to Eastern Europe you know, and adopted some kids out of orphanages in Russia and Bulgaria with some very complex emotional, behavioral, and developmental mm -hmm. problems. And so I'm sitting in this church board meeting listening as, like, some of our children and family ministry staff were talking about some of the things that they were trying to do to support these families because it became very involved, very difficult for them to stay involved with church, you know, because of, you know, some of the unique challenges mm -hmm. that these kids presented after they came into their homes. Mm -hmm. So, so at that time, I'm running a fairly large child and adolescent psychiatry practice in suburban Cleveland, and I so started thinking, well, I wonder to what extent getting to church is a problem for the kinds of families that we see in our practice. And again, these are you know kids with depression, kids with anxiety, kids with ADHD, kids on the high end of the autism spectrum. And so we didn't set it up as like a formal research study, but for probably the next few months or so, you know, I just started informally asking families as they came through our practice, you know, are you having a difficult time like 
you know, go to church and be in part of church because of the problems that led you to come to our office. And I was floored by what I found out. Mm. And that, uh, that if I had to guess, I would say that probably on any given Sunday, it's 50% less likely that the kinds of families that are coming through an office like ours, you know, are going to be actively attending like one of their local churches. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the projects I'm involved with in a county near where we live in Ohio is I've been doing some work to help them like redevelop their children's mental health system and increase access to psychiatric care. And a couple months ago, I was talking to like a newly a newly hired nurse practitioner who at that point had evaluated 50 new families and told me that a grand total of one was regularly attending church. And so, you know, and so, you know, you'll, you'll see different resources that are out there, you know, and there are a couple of ministries that are doing a great job in terms of providing faith-based support for folks who are already in church, you know, and biblical counselors and Christian counselors come across folks who are already in church. The concern that we hope to address through the book was to be able to help churches and ministry leaders understand you know, what it is about having like like a child or a teen or a spouse with a mental health issue that makes it hard to come to church and to help them then, you know, be able to connect with families in those, you know, in their communities that they serve where folks are struggling with these conditions. And, and that ultimately, I want the kinds of families that we see in our practice, you know, to have the same opportunity that my families enjoy to, you know, you know, to be part of a great church where we've, you know, been exposed to excellent teaching, you know, have had opportunities to serve and have had opportunities to like meet people and develop relationships that we'll have for the rest of our lives. And that's oftentimes very hard for families who are impacted by mental illness. I tell you, one of the things that, that, you know, we have seen so often is that it dealing with, with believers that may have depression or anxiety. If they have anxiety, well, the Scripture teaches us that fear is the opposite of faith, and without faith it's impossible to please please God, and their life is et up with fear. It's nothing but fear. So they have this this added almost spiritual condemnation, the same with depression. The joy of the Lord is supposed to be my strength. Well, I don't have any joy in the Lord. You know, I'm contemplating whether I want to keep living or not. Therefore, they have, not only do they suffer from anxiety and depression, there seems to be this, this additional layer of spiritual guilt laid on top of it for having these feelings and these emotions. You, in the book, you suggest that the church contributes to the problem of mental illness with, with the members. How so? Well, some of the stigma in the church against mental illness you know, it comes back from the nuthetic counseling movement of approximately 50 years ago, led by Jay Adams, that was, in a sense, a reaction to the moral relativism that was creeping into some of the mental health professions. But in, in the eyes of the nuthetic counseling movement, basically everything that we understand today as mental illness, where there isn't an obvious, unambiguous, clear-cut biological test to demonstrate its presence, you know, is something that's viewed as sin. And, and, and sadly, as a result of this, one can argue that the stigma against mental illness and against people with mental illness in the church may be greater than in the population at large. You yeah, know, for example, absolutely. there was a LifeWay, yeah, there was a LifeWay study that came out a few years ago where they found that 
55% of American adults who don't regularly attend church believe that churches won't welcome people with mental illness. And so from an evangelism and outreach standpoint, the church is going to have to go the extra mile, you know, to be able to change some of the perceptions that have hardened in the community. You know, unfortunately, because there are a lot of faithful folks who've tried to be part of church and have had negative experiences where they've come across as, you know, being very troubled and being very hurt as a result of the way that church people have responded to them and Mm -hmm. and to their struggles related Mm -hmm. to mental illness. Not only are churches not inclusive, not only do they contribute at many levels um, to mental disabilities and the stigma, how can we turn this tide? What can churches do to help in this issue? Well, part of what we have put out through the book is that we've tried to develop a model for churches of any size or any denomination to follow if they want to put together a purposeful mental health inclusion strategy. And what the model is predicated upon is helping them to identify across their different ministry environments seven key barriers that get in the way of church attendance for families that are affected by mental illness. And those barriers are first, stigma, second, anxiety, third, one's capacity for self-control, four is sensory processing, five is one's social communication skills. Six is social isolation related to mental illness. And then the seventh are families' past experiences of church. And then we have a set of seven strategies for churches to think about to help overcome those barriers. Jimbo, did you hear that someone is actually paying us to do an ad? Wait a second. Somebody is paying us? Say Who are these people? It is actually our old alma mater, Howard Payne University. HPU. HPU. STEM jackets win. You know it. A fine education bathed in a Christian atmosphere. A Christian atmosphere is what it's bathed in. But it's this time, it's Howard Payne with a twist, because they actually have expanded to New Braunfels. Oh, that's right. They opened a new campus in New Braunfels in 2012. And they have three different degree options. One option is an associate's degree in Christian studies, which is designed for bivocational ministers and busy schedules. Just a short drive south of Austin, just a short drive north of San Antonio. They're also offering four bachelor's degrees, one in business, one in Christian studies, one in criminal justice, and one in general studies. And there are whispers. Jimbo, you gotta whisper this. That's why I'm whispering. There are whispers that there are new degrees coming in 2019. And one last thing not to forget, there are two master's programs, Mm -hmm. one in business administration, MBA, and one in criminal justice, MCJ. I am pumped we get to spread the news about a Christ-centered higher education in Central Texas, which is provided by Howard Payne University, New Braunfels. For more information about HPU New Braunfels, go to hputx.edu backslash New Braunfels. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at HPUNB. And Facebook is HPUTX New Bromble. Stingham Jackets win. Get your stinger up, Josh. It's, it always stays up. And it's very easy to remember those seven because the, the, the acronym is TEACHER. So T has to do with helping churches to develop a mental health inclusion team and who you would want to be involved with doing this. Mm-hmm. A focuses on helping churches include you know, children, teens, and adults in those activities that are most critical for spiritual growth. Um, 
actually, I got the E and the A mixed up. The E stands for um, making sure that you have welcoming ministry environments for folks struggling with mental illness, a lot of whom deal with very sensory processing issues. The C stands for developing a comprehensive communication plan around mental illness. Um, the H stands for offering practical helps to people in your congregation and outside your congregation who are struggling with these issues. E stands for providing education and support. And the R is giving responsibility for the ministry to your people. So that by, by identifying some of the barriers and thinking about how mm -hmm. they can apply those specific strategies, um, we're hoping that churches of any size will be able to become more intentional in welcoming families that have been affected by mental illness. And I think the important thing for church leaders to think about here is that, well, no church is going to be able to create a perfect environment for everyone who's wrestling with every conceivable mental health condition. Every church can do more than what they're doing now to be able to, to reach out to and welcome and share the love of Christ and the gospel to families in the communities where they serve. How important do you think it was? I, I, I happen to think it was sort of a, of, a, of a paradigm shift for the church. A couple of two or three years ago, when the tragedy occurred of Rick and Kay Warren's son committing suicide, and after years and years and years of struggling with debilitating depression, and they didn't hide it, they didn't sweep it under a rug, they came right out and they talked about it. How important do you think in just you know the, the, the life uh, of, of the church in America, how important it was that they handled that tragedy that way? Well, I think it was incredibly important that Rick and Kay have come out as publicly as they have and have spoken about it and Rick's preached about it and Kay has, you know, written extensively about this. They've held, hosted several conferences out at Saddleback, you know, to draw attention to the issue in the church. And I was actually honored to be able to participate in a Twitter event with Kay last week in honor of Mental Health Month. But at the same time that was happening, What's been really fascinating is the way that God has been just raising up different ministry leaders like around the country and around the world, you know, who've had a burden for serving this population, you know, and all of a sudden there's been a, just a grassroots explosion in people writing about or talking about mental illness. Like a couple of great organizations that we mentioned in the book are Mental Health Grace Alliance, which is based like just down the road from you guys in Texas that has developed like a wonderful group education support model that's been in use now in churches in approximately 20 to 25 states. Um, there's another great ministry organization called Fresh Hope that's based out of Nebraska. And um, Brad Hayes, who was the founder of that ministry, was the pastor of the fastest growing Missouri Synod Lutheran Church in the country. When the mid-1990s, he had a bipolar episode, was hospitalized and lost his job as a result of that episode. And so that they've again developed a, you know, very specific, you know, faith-based, Christian-based support model for adults who are struggling with mood disorders. Amy Simpson is another person who's been critical. She's um, been a vice president at Christianity Today and um, has written a couple of books, one of which was specifically describing her experience growing up as a pastor's daughter with a mother with schizophrenia, you know, and some of the challenges that she's had to deal with. But, you know, I think it's so interesting that, I mean, the Warrens obviously have played like a critical role, 
but but it's the fact that that, that God's like raising up raising up people everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. who have been touched by this issue, and and I think that the Warrens are certainly leaders in the movement, but 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 it does seem to be a movement. You know that God's raising up so many different folks at one time. Sure. You know, with 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 a similar call, you know, and a similar recognition of some of the struggles that people are having. Yeah. And and one of the things that's really neat about the movement is to see the way that everybody seems to be working together with a common purpose. Um, you know, to expand awareness of the needs for this kind of strategy and the needs for these supports. You know, in the worldwide church. So in our final couple of minutes, we would love for you to tell us about Key Ministry. Well, Key Ministry was formed about 15 years ago, specifically to help churches minister with families who had kids with what we described as hidden disabilities. So those would be significant emotional, behavioral, developmental, or neurologic conditions where there aren't outwardly apparent physical symptoms. And so as you know, as time has gone on, one of the things that we've tried to do as a ministry is that we provide um, training, consultation, resources, and support to churches around the country and around the world to help them minister with families that are affected by disability. But because of my unique background and training and the unique calling of some of our writers and speakers, um, we've certainly been drawn and feel like we have a unique role to play when it comes to helping, you know, churches specifically welcome kids and families who are affected by mental illness. So that um, I would encourage people who are interested in like learning more about this subject to check out our website, which is www.keyministry.org. We have an entire section of the website devoted to mental health resources, which includes information about our book, Mental Health on the Church, we have an entire series of 14 videos that accompany the book to train church leaders in terms of implementing the model. Um, we have included in there listings of other helpful ministries that can support churches looking to pursue mental health inclusion. We have um, recommended resources, social media resources. And we even have a section of the website devoted to stories of families who have struggled to attend church as a result of a mental health-related disability. So we would encourage folks to check that out and to also look at following us like on Facebook at Key Ministry, you know, as well as through Twitter at Key Ministry, because as new resources become available, that's where we make them available. I mean, mental illness affects every family, and churches are made up of families, so this is such a key, important conversation for churches, church leaders and families within churches to be having. If you want more information about the book, obviously it's keyministry.org. If you want more information about Dr. Gersovich, uh, you can certainly find more information at keyministry.org, as well as his Twitter. It is DR, so Dr. Gersovich. His Facebook is Steve Gersovich. Steve, thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I got to come down to Texas and join you for some barbecue someday. Come on now. Now, it probably wouldn't be barbecue, but (laughs) should you make it, we will have reservations waiting at Enchiladas Imas. Have you ever had Tex Mex? I think it's San Antonio, but I'm sure you guys know the best place. There you go. I don't know if your mother's still living or not, but the Enchiladas will make you want to slap your mother. That's (laughs) how good they are. So please come down. Steve, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Sorry for the audio, guys. 
But Bill, you probably don't even know why we're sorry because it sounds so excellent mm-hmm. because Billy of our audio savant was so good but on our end that was terrible Ooh, audio not good <laughs> kept cutting out our uh web browser kept cutting out and so we had to start and stop over yeah. three or four times but it's so seamless. steve was not speaking in tongues <laughs> nor was he demon possessed should his voice have changed uh, it was inflection. chrome it was chrome. Yeah, it was chrome chrome was possessed by a demon so I love the so the book is all about finding a mental health inclusion strategy yeah. for your church. But at the end of the day, it's also for your Christian family. I mean, the mental health and mental illness obviously is progressively becoming more and more a thing as, you know, the school shootings and the suicides and all that makes more and more publicity. It's always been there. We just know about it more. And so it's absolutely something that our churches have to account for. But churches have also been a place, you know, they've been like Petri dishes that, that breed hypocrisy. Because everyone shows up and everyone says how great they're doing, and and it's a place where we go and play like nobody's hurting and nobody's broken and no one has a problem. And people who are depressed or anxious or any of those type things, parents with oppositional defiant kids, the last thing you want to do at church is admit that you have a real big need. And again, churches should be the exact opposite of that, but there you have it. So I, he is right. It is becoming a movement. People are coming out of the closet, and churches are becoming much more inclusive Jimmy, in this area. You can't say that anymore. Can't say inclusive? Coming out of the closet. No, you can very much say inclusive. Unless uh, I just can't say coming out of the closet? Yeah, you can't say You know, say we're coming trying to sell our house, and we've gotten it cleaned up for to take pictures. So literally, if you open the door... Of any of our closets, you have stuff coming. Tons out of the closet. will come out of the closet. <laughs> so I th- do think that it is appropriate still to say in some circumstances. So one particular community has not Correct. hijacked no. coming out of the closet. No, no, no. Have no, you ever come out of the closet before? I have, but I shut the door really quick because that's how you get get it all in there. <laughs> we're way off. Yeah. right now. Get the book is what we're saying. Yeah, but I loved his. If it's not like clear-cut biological, I can go and get a swab of my saliva into a Petri dish and tell that it's the flu. And he was like, we call that sin. And so in the church, it's like, no, 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 no. You know, I can't go again, get this Petri dish of anxiety. And so, man, you're just not, you don't have good enough faith. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't believe in ADHD. Yes, and it's like, like it's, that's it's, the it's craziest thing ever. A philosophy that you, right. but it's not. It's not. It's like I don't believe in lymphoma. It's not something you believe in or not. It is a but again, physiological can't malfunction. Open up yeah, the brain cavity and yep. see this tumor. Yep. You know, so it is tricky. It's a tricky wicket, mm-hmm. but it's n- no less real. Yeah. And that's why this book is so important. Yep. If you want inf- more information about this episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You also can find our socials there. We enjoyed it today, and we hope you did as well. Have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Jesus loves the light and Satan loves the dark. If there is an overarching principle that should guide us on whether we should tell the truth or not, that would sort of be it.